1: Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann on the Contender Cast. We're shining a light on Bright Ideas. We're in the pet food space today. You're going to hear all about a company that I have had fun learning about called Petaluma and their co-founders on Garrett Wymore. Garrett, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so
0: much, Justin. I'm really excited to talk about Petaluma, and uh, so happy you had us on.
1: Dude, I couldn't wait. Um, I had fun. You know, it w- it's funny because I was telling you before we record, like uh, I don't share an outline or like the questions ahead of time unless the PR person asks, and because you guys asked for it, it was actually fun because I had extra time to do homework on you guys, and I had so much fun learning about you and your company, and I can't wait to to learn more. I have three dogs, and I think you have a couple, right?
0: Yeah, we've got a two in
1: this in the quote unquote studio with me right now hopefully they stay well behaved (laughs) because yeah this studio proverbial studio um yeah it's great so um so much fun you know anytime we talk pet it just seems like it's just always a great conversation i'm sure that's why it's a lot of fun also to be in that industry we'll get there um how about this before we get to the company and your product share a little bit with our audience about you and your background like a little bit before launching the brand
0: yeah, for sure. Um, so I came out uh when I came out of school, I went into consulting, I was a banning company, which was you know interesting from a just pure business standpoint, um, good exposure to a bunch of different things, but it is kind of a true mercenary field. I feel like that's a it was from a personality standpoint. I'm someone who uh has High conviction in things, and uh, it was I I found it kind of tricky to you know float from business to business and uh, make their problems your own for a short period of time, for better or for worse. I really internalized every uh, every issue as as it becomes my own, and uh, part of the reason I was probably better suited for uh, entrepreneurship is that it it truly is my problem when things go wrong. Um, But I I was you know lucky to meet a lot of great people there, uh, a couple of which started a company called Whistle, was makes a device that. Dog's collar it was an activity monitor and GPS tracker, and uh, I was lucky enough to have them uh, take me on for what started off as a short six month kind of internship, uh, and turned into selling that company, to Mars Pet Care, uh, and, and being acquired into Mars and, and joining them full time. So it was a I was a long time dog lover, but never never envisioned myself uh, being in that space from a career standpoint. I didn't think that was even a, a relative possibility. Um, I think pet care was always something that I don't know. To some extent, it almost felt frivolous because it's like dogs are something you love, and the idea that there's like a, a whole industry behind it and business there that's never crazy. crossed my mind as someone who was like geared to be a, a finance thinker. You know, it's like oh, you're you're, you're on a one way path to being a a private equity person longer term, and 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 I'm so happy I get to work in an industry that's like. So close to the things I care about, which are our dogs and food. So.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Those things go together with your product. Um, so, very, very cool. So, you, you got into the industry. You were a finance guy. Like, you. I, I was doing homework. And when you were at Bain, you were doing like the, the modeling and whatnot, right? I mean, you were kind of in yeah, it, probably uh, the in the numbers. Um, how did you decide? And you, I guess you had the experience of being, you know, the company that was bought by Mars, huge pet care company. Um, how did you decide to go do your own thing? And then, how did you know there? Was a segment of the market for you to, to potentially win in?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think so, you know, one of our, you know, when we were brought into Mars, um, you know, we were a you know small startup within a large consumer conglomerate. Um, and so a lot of our kind of role there was to look at new kind of exciting spaces within pet, like where are their emerging trends? Um, where, you know, what is the next generation of pet care going to look like? And, you know, I was lucky enough to be brought into kind of the New food trends and work with a lot of the veterinary teams there uh, as part of kind of broader you know, dog and 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 cat health initiatives. And uh, you know, I think there was a, a really interesting category around what does the next generation of like protein look like. You could kind of see pet food evolving quickly. You know, we've seen fresh food really catch on whether that's you know something that's now self-stable, kind of bags to being something that's either refrigerated or stole or frozen. We're seeing you know raw meat. Packed in dry ice and sent directly to people's front door. But at the same time, there was you know, different thinking on the human food side, and generally, human food trends kind of percolate into pet over time. As it's it's hard to always uh, separate our minds. What's you know what looks good for us to eat, or what we think is good for us. Oftentimes, we uh, think about that from a, a pet food standpoint as well. And on the human food side, I think there was more concern around around the consumption of meat uh, both from an environmental standpoint of just, if we're, you know, eating more and more meat and as the world, you know, consumes our portions of it, where is that going to come from? How are we going to do that in a way that doesn't place a ton of stress on, uh, on the planet and, and, and food, land and water. Uh, and, th- but, but it was that, that discussion was kind of absent from, from pet food. Uh, and we were starting to see the early, you know, the early stages of that was something we were looking at as, as part of Mars. But personally, when, when, when I, Looking at a space, there was no brand that had kind of claimed it yet. There was no brand that was talking sure. about, you know, we need food that's good for dogs, but also uh, takes into account the other impacts of where uh, and the other consequences of where we're getting ingredients. And how do we find a solution that's both, you know, as we say, you know, Petaluma like provides great care for your dogs, but is also caring for the planet at the same time. Um, so I think the, the the fact that there was not a that there was a clear need there and something that I was extremely passionate about, but not a brand that. Was was really owning that and and, and focusing on it, 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 you know, gave us the kind of opening to to go try to build a brand in that space.
1: It's pretty cool. Um, it's one thing to have an idea for a product or a company. Um, it, it and when you get into things like dog food, it's not something you can just make up and whip up quickly and then package up and sell. So, did you already know some of it from the time at Whistle or? you know, did you have to sort out and figure out that part of it, you know, that the kind of what the ingredients are going to be and then the production of it?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, that was, it's always an interesting challenge and it's something that you have to take a lot more seriously than, you know, maybe just, Oh, it's a new beverage that I've liked this ingredient and it's tastes good. I can whip that up at home. I can really, you know, I can start, you know, workshopping it with friends, you know, pet food, you're, you're, you know, you're responsible for a hundred percent of the dog's nutrition in theory. Right. Um, and, and so you, <laughs> right. you really can't, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's one and the same with a kind of broader nutritional uh, philosophy and how do you make sure that every single thing that you're providing, every single micro and macronutrient that a, that a dog needs. So, you know, that was a longer process. I, I was lucky to be able to work with some of those teams um, while at Mars, you know, they have owned some of the largest pet food brands sure. um, and just see how that process generally goes uh, and, 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 and what's involved. But I think, The the interesting piece is that there's a lot of publicly available, um, you know, out of research and even just the national guidelines around what needs to be in food, Uh, you know, that that is available. The question is, out of the billions of permutations of ingredients, which ones do you choose to go in? Sure. Uh, So, you know, I think we came with a a new perspective on what ingredients we want to use. The biggest thing for us was we weren't going to use animals. Um, We were not going to use animal-derived ingredients into the food. and. But there are, you know, millions of other options in the uh, kind of plant kingdom and uh, fungi kingdom to choose from to provide really, you know, the same, essentially the same nutritional profile, but through different, different avenues. I think that that's really the interesting part about human nutrition and dog nutrition is there's so many different ways to get there. You can get to extremely similar nutritional uh, profiles that you're you're providing almost identical ingredients or nutrients, but with totally different ingredients. And, you know, and, you know, we, we want what we to talk about there is we're delivering this nutritional profile that you know we is validated and has empirical data behind it, but we're going about it and we're choosing different ingredients that matter because of the impact they have on the environment and and how many resources it takes to actually grow and raise them.
1: I love that. Um not everyone is as familiar with the pet industry as you are. And I'm guessing some people might be listening and going, I mean, I buy the chicken flavor, the steak flavor, or the I have a big dog versus small dog you know bag.. Yeah. Um, so give a sense for the, the pet food market today and maybe some of the issues or challenges with kind of traditional pet food.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting how that market has evolved. Cause I was, I was the same way. I think it, it almost like pet food wasn't food. It, it was almost like a household category. Right. It's like sold next to laundry <laughs> detergent in the grocery store, totally. right? It's, it's like own aisle. That's like, Oh, I'm going to pick up a, a Swiffer wipes and then a, a, a bag of the yellow food that, you know, right. for my dog
1: and chicken versus, flavor.
0: yeah. And then it's a flavor of one thing in there. like, couldn't tell you more than three things about what it is other than what's on the label. And usually even if it's chicken flavor, it might mean that's, 4% of the total of, right. of the actual flavor. So it, it, I think that there's been a, you know, it, it, we almost say like pet food is going away of baby food. It's becoming more like it's a uh, really now much more highly educated purchase where people are going through the ingredient list and even pointing at one, you know, the seventh ingredient on there is something that they don't want their dog having because they have a totally different, uh, you know, that as dogs have become family members, they're not just a... Box to check of I pick up this food, my dog eats it. They seem fine with it, so we're we're going to move on. Um, So I think that it's really been interesting how that's evolved uh, in terms of what people are looking for. I I mentioned earlier, kind of fresh food and some new formats have really emerged as you know a a giant portion of the market used to be. That kind of there was two options. It was the big bag of kibble. Uh, It all kind of looks the same. It's brown and round. It you know comes out no matter which brand you buy. Might smell a little bit different, but it, it looks looks the same. And then the canned food that uh, kind of has a bad reputation for being <laughs> that gelatinous mold that comes out, but Burrow. usually, uh, yeah, you put yeah. that on top of the other Brown stuff and you've totally. got a whole meal. Now oh there's like a million God. options, um, whether that's, totally. you know, dehydrated and, or, you know, raw meat, uh, you know, you're now you're going to the refrigerated se- section and buying. And then even on the, uh, on the dry food side, um, kibble, you know, kibble itself is largely done because it's the most efficient process. It's a, there's a way you can, Kind of within 60 seconds, you throw all the ingredients in and out, out, on the other side, out comes the fully cooked kibble uh, out of this uh, machine called an extruder. And it can do, you know, tens of thousands of pounds an hour uh, or more. And, and so you've, it's, it was, it was done for efficiency, but it results in a relatively uh, homogenous product. Um, and it also has some compromises in terms of what ingredients you can put into it because it's, it's 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 done for manufacturing efficiency, sure. not necessarily sounds like, for
1: uh, sounds like high margin. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> large volume. <laughs> pretty good pricing on those bags. Um okay, so tell us about your product, what makes it different? So you talk about plant-based and whatnot. So what's inside yeah. and, and how are you positioning?
0: Totally. So I think you know the, the biggest differentiator off the bat is just we're not using any animal ingredients. Or we're not trying to be we're not trying to replicate meat. We're providing, mm-hmm. you know, complete and balanced nutrition using a variety of plant-based, uh, plant-based sources. So our, you know, first formula is called our, you know, roasted peanut butter and sweet potato flavor. It derives protein from, you know, organic chickpeas, potato protein, uh, oats and barley, uh, you know, some pea protein and then peanut butter is a great source. And then it really goes through, you know, we, we're not really leaning on one ingredient heavily. It's not like a chicken formula where, you know, chicken meal might be 40% of the total, you know, total volume. And then you're, you know, basically have chicken and rice and then a couple other things thrown at the end. We're taking a wide variety of of ingredients that bring, uh, you know, kind of different unique nutritional elements that combine together, provide a really nice, complete and balanced protein profile. You know, if you look at our, you know, one cup of our food, it's, uh, you know, got more protein in it than a lot of the leading, uh, you know, animal-based kibbles. Sure. And it has an, an amino acid profile, you know, that's basically the composition of different proteins into it that are really nicely aligned with what a dog's needs are. So I think that's, that's always first is what is the nutritional profile going to look like? And then from a interesting kind of format and taste factor, our food is baked. So we, you know, we blend, we kind of take all the ingredients, we mix it into a dough. It actually looks like a giant stand up mixer uh, that, that comes out as a dough. Those are then rolled into little bites and, and kind of go through this giant, you know, 110 foot oven uh, and comes out the other end as a, as a baked product. Uh, so it's it's a process that you would understand that <laughs> it versus the uh, kind of giant steel tube that Traditional food is made. A dog food is made in, and it comes right. out the other end. Of like I have no idea what just happened there. There's, there used to be <laughs> a bunch crazy. of powder, and now at the other end, there's a, like there's a dog
1: food balls of food. Uh, yeah, some exactly. Of food. So, okay, interesting. Um, you had some network of people that could help you with, you know, different formulation and whatnot. I'm guessing you had to lean into them to get product made. How long from? I think I'm going to start my own pet food. To you started getting some initial samples, and how do you validate that dog will eat it?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's always an interesting one because <laughs> so, I mean, well, that's the nice good. part, yeah, the nice part is that dogs won't lie to you if you right. ask your friends to try <laughs> exactly. it. When you ask friends, <laughs> like, "How do you like this drink?" like, "Oh, it's great," you know, like we love it, right? Uh, but dogs are uh, pretty. Uh, they're they don't they don't know uh, that they would be offensive. They didn't they didn't eat your product, but totally. I, you know, we had about a two year R and D cycle. Um, you know, that included bringing in veterinary nutritionists to to both you know essentially take our universe of possible ingredients and figure out how to turn that into a formula that meets all of a dog's needs then you have you know a formula but you're going into taste testing so we you know traditional dog food is generally tested with kennels so there's actually dogs that exist in you know commercial kennels so companies that own those dogs to feed them food to see if they like it or not or longer term like how well they digest the food that's something that we were just not comfortable with. I think the idea of having like a different class of dog that exists right. to eat food for your dog to say, like, we would never obviously do that with human food, right? We right. do it in a way where we use regular free human beings who are, uh, are, are in, eating it at home as part of And then, and following up with them. So that's the same approach we took with, with Petaluma is we, you know, we, we recruited a network of, of, you know, companion animals, dogs that live at home, sent them Petaluma, uh, with some other competitive dog foods, um, all blind. So it was all marked with, you know, ABC and D. because while the dog might not tell, uh, lie to you but sometimes the owners will, if they know which one's yours. Sure. So, uh, we just, we're doing head to head testing there, which is really, you know what, that's, that's one of the better parts of the job is having people send you videos of, of dog taste testing. And, uh, you get, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of good content set in of, uh, picky basset hound trying to determine which food they like the best. So. That's
1: so funny. Wow. Two years, everyone listening, it didn't happen in 30 days or 60 days, like two years. So it takes time to make, um, and when did you know, or are you still figuring it out? You're a couple years in now, but like, I think we have something that people will buy. Like, I mean, when was that kind of realization versus yeah. a fun experiment for two years?
0: I mean, it's always interesting. You know, we were really happy with the way our, our, Taste trialing went, um, but that's always with okay, great. The dog likes it, and the dog importantly is like doing well on it. <laughs> the interesting thing about dog food is uh, generally the owner is also responsible for what comes out the other end, and right. you get pretty quick feedback if oh, you're uh, yeah. if not, not getting get that KPI. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's almost it's a, that's a, a, a major purchasing criteria. Is. is how does my dog digest this? We um, have we have sure. that
1: one of my three is we've had to change the food up for that reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, and it's a, it's it's it can be a big frustration. So. I think we were really happy with the initial testing. The question is, once it's in market and people are having to pay for it, is there is there an appetite for it there? So you really don't know until after you launch the food, which is scary because you've already lined up everything. Totally. There's a scrappier way to go about this. There's a, you know, make it in a commercial kitchen at a smaller scale, do it yourself but the only really way to make this work longer term is to do it in a commercial scale facility that has, you know, enough, you know, a big enough oven to make this work. Totally. And so it's, it's suddenly you've got you know 15,000 pounds of food uh, for the first time you're selling it. <laughs> right. And you're like, I hope, I really hope this works. So I, I think we're, we're really happy to see right. it. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to see, you know, you sell those first bags and you're like which portion of the people are going to come back and buy again. And then four weeks later, when you see those you know, repeat purchases coming in, you're like, I think yep. we, I think we have something here that will That can stand on its own, uh, at least as a a V1. So,
1: I have a question kind of related to your economics background. So, how do you decide like what size bag, like how, what ounces or pounds to put in a bag? And then, how did you sort out and figure out pricing? I'm sure you had to do some really good modeling on both of those.
0: Yeah, that was a, a, you definitely see some interesting games played in CPG of like crazy varieties and bag sizes. Right. Like why are there's like a, what's a 15 and a half pound bag. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, you know, you see it a lot in treats too, where they all, the bag looks the same size. One of them's two ounces and one of them's 12 ounces of, of net weight. And you're like, I don't, that's (laughs) definitely some fun games here. I know they talk a lot about shrinkflation of prices staying the same, but from our, from our standpoint, I think we are trying to figure out where are the tiers of pricing and then how much food can we put in the bag to hit that tier. Uh, so that that was you know really we were comping it to others if you're going to see it on the shelf um, you know if if we were you know originally pegged at the big bag is like an 89 95 price point that's the highest we can go sure. how much food can we put in the bag to be to to achieve that um, which you know has its pluses and minuses uh, one of the issues obviously was in the last two years the cost profile of things have changed dramatically
1: totally um,
0: and uh, I think we've gotten maybe lucky there in the sense of some of the biggest price increases have been on, in animal proteins, you know, chicken was up. 40, I would think that's helped percent. you.
1: I mean, now you can Yeah, you know, yeah a little it's, it's higher moved price point. People, I mean, <laughs> right? it's moved
0: other people, you know, above us in price that, and, and, you know, while we've had to make some, some modifications there, it, it hasn't moved quite the same, but it's, yeah. it's, you're exposed in a lot of different places. We have a, a long ingredient list. So when suddenly, you know, even an organic oat is twice as expensive as it was the previous year, Totally. you're uh, you feel the, you feel the pinch.
1: And so do many and CPG, by the way. Um, yeah. So was your plan e-commerce? Was your plan, we got to get into retail right away? How did you approach that?
0: Yeah. So both uh, myself and my co-founder, uh, you know, both come from more of a D2C and kind of online advertising background. I think it's really a great way too, to just... Especially when you have a new product, do people like it? And can you see the reorder behavior? You're not really getting that from stores. You know, right. Been, you right. You really are just... It's kind of a black box on how things are doing. So we launched as a DC exclusive product. Dog food is one of the best, you know, D2C subscription products in terms of portion totally. of the market that's just <laughs> locked and loaded. It's right. you know, and it's and it makes it a lot easier to justify the you know cost of acquiring customers online when you know if they like the food their dog does well, they might be with you for five years uh, totally. just on a recurring basis. So that's so we started out as a, as a you know, direct consumer company. We've now more recently started to go into uh, additional channels, um, where there's some of the kind of like online grocery stores and sure. now going into brick and mortar in the in the next year. Or so um but yeah D 2 C was it's really great to get feedback quickly. I think if you're starting a you know a new product, that's that's the really important way to go if if there's a market for it. Um it, it's interesting even in dog food versus dog treats. We launched a couple of treat products. Dog treats are much more of an impulse buy. Um it's it's I harder to market online for that. So
1: I could see that. Um talk about flavors. When you were um, first defining, you know what you were going to put together from i um, I'll say the flavor profile. What did that look yeah. like? You know, how did you think about that?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because it's a uh, you know dogs also have a way more powerful nose than we do, uh, which translates <laughs> to they can taste things that are uh, you know there doesn't need to be as in your face as human food. From a like oh I get a hint of peanut butter versus I want something that's
1: right you know <laughs> extremely
0: creamy and uh, yeah. so uh, you know I think we. We try to pick ingredients that were bringing a lot of natural flavor. So one interesting part about traditional dog food, particularly kibble, is that when you cook, when you steam cook it the way it's normally done, you take away a ton of the flavor. So right before you package it, you spray it with fat and kind of a lot of times artificial flavorings, or not sure. artificial, but powder at the end that that makes it you know smell like chicken. Um, and our food is baked. We don't have to do that. It, there's enough flavor in the food itself. It comes off the line, goes straight in the bag. There's no spraying it with oil or any, you know, f- you know, flavoring powder at the end. Right. And part of that is because we're using things like peanut butter. We try right. ingredients that, you know, dogs <laughs> like, um, they can detect the smell of and, uh, and are really excited about that, you know, underlying flavor of it. Um, it's always hard to predict though, exactly what it is that dogs are going to enjoy and not, uh, they really like that, like dried, ye- like a yeast, like a brewer's yeast. It's kind sure. of got a savory, interesting flavor for them that, Think a lot of humans would find maybe off putting, because um, it's got a, a, a or it's a more of an acquired taste. Like uh you, you see the responses to vegemite and you're always uh, it's a it's a different, different crowd.
1: So well, that's awesome. Um uh, for those who don't know, uh Garrett's as, as I said earlier, was is a co-founder. His co-founder is Caroline Buck. Um how did you guys decide to do this together? Do you split up the roles and responsibilities? You know what I mean? Like do you handle certain parts of the business and she does others? How do you guys think about that? Yeah,
0: no, it's interesting dynamic because Caroline is also my wife. We got married this summer a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, uh, so starting, we are definitely fully integrated now from a business and You're personal standpoint. You're no longer standpoint.
1: just partners or co-founders. You're now married. Yeah, my, uh, and our
0: and my quote unquote, you know, Petaluma HQ and uh, podcast studio is also our office, our uh, basement <laughs> office. So we're, oh, uh, so we're fu- fully. Uh, I love it. Fully intertwined. Um, and
1: you have got two dogs, Oscar and Leo, right? So that's right. Oscar and Leo. Yeah, yeah
0: they're uh, <laughs> they're uh, sitting there. And to I you. have I have four chickens too. So oh got, my gosh,
1: that's uh, that's, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, that's sort of our discussion. Um, okay, so how do you guys divide up the work? How do you guys you know work together?
0: Yeah. So she, you know, Caroline um, comes from you know uh, kind of a marketing and, and technology software background. So she was uh, you know kind of early in the days of online digital advertising, which has really changed a lot since uh, she first moved to San Francisco ten years ago to uh, to what it is now. Uh, but she generally handles you know, a lot of the uh, kind of our marketing and sales initiatives. Sorry, I've got a scratching dog. Um, she handles a lot of the.
1: <laughs> the great thing about a sensitive mic, you get to hear like all the dog, you know. Anyway, yeah, yeah that's uh- <laughs> that's so great. Go ahead. So she <laughs> handles the marketing and <laughs> digital. She handles
0: marketing and a lot of the brand. You know, interesting. You know, I think the. You know, she she came in with a pretty strong perspective about you know the story that even the packaging is going to tell and the, sure. the brand itself. I think uh, that that's a huge part of the story in pet food because you're not tasting it yourself. You're you're it's, right. You're, you're you're buying the message and story behind it. And she really brought a lot of the kind of uh, both the idea for the brand and then the way that, you know, we've marketed the food and and going forward. I've handled, you know, I come from a more of a finance background. Uh, Caroline jokes that that's kind of the way I soothe myself uh, when I'm (laughs) having a hard day is like just get back into the model and, you know, build out the operating forecast. It's a funny, it's funny side there. It's always good to have people who like doing both because if I had to respond to, uh, uh, Instagram comments on our ads, I would uh, be pulling my hair out. Right. If she had to <laughs> she's had to be doing the accounting side. She would also be uh be struggling. So no, yeah, it's yeah. It's, a, it's a good good relationship. I think it's also great to have a co-founder who, you know, that was say you're you need to have start with someone that you can give really honest feedback to. Yeah. And that's I'll the nice part about having a
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll tell you some my wife and I launched a little um side business a couple of years ago and it was so much fun and has been a lot of fun. And um and we're you know we divide up the work too i am really good at certain things and she's good at the others but um all right so let's talk about what's next so what does the next 6 to 12 months look like um, new product new consumer, going after more customers getting more channels like how are you thinking about like growth
0: yeah so we're you know i think really important to look into omnichannel and brick and mortar i think it's it's interesting there was such a premium placed on d2c and everything online and oh, yeah. kind of uh, downplaying of of being successful in stores uh, but the new world that we're in is like, you need to be everywhere. Yeah, especially army. for, I think, a thing like dog food, where you need to trust that, you know, that other people, there's a lot of permission structure of like, is this actually good? Or is it, you know, I need someone else's word for it. And being in, you know, retailers that have a lot of consumer respect is is going to be really important for us. So that's, that's an area that we're expanding into it comes with a lot of its own logistical challenges, which is always it fun. Does. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, it, you know, that's, that's really an area of focus for us. And then also just focusing on the nutrition science side. I think there's a lot of work to be done in dog nutritional science in general, where there are there ways that we can bring people more confidence that you know there's <laughs> we're providing a really great nutritional profile without the need for an animal-derived ingredient. Sure.
1: I'd love to ask our guests some of their biggest lessons learned. You, you're you about three years in here. Um, I'm sure you've had some things that have gone well and others that have not. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen. What will be two or three pieces of advice you'd offer to them?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, from my own experience, just trying to, you know, almost create like a small scale pilot or prototype of the food to where we ended up, I, you know, did so much fussing about the you know small scale version that we could make at home or in a small commercial kitchen. And then once we got into a kind of commercial scale facility that was able to produce it, it's almost like you started from scratch, like the, right. the flavor profile, everything, everything totally changed. Everything's different, so right? Yeah. Everything's totally different. So and so for, especially in food and beverage products, where that really matters like the small nuances. So I think it's it's you know while it's it's exciting to do things yourself and try to make it and I think it's an important part of the general process the amount of like energy that goes into perfecting a kind of v1 that you can make yourself versus finding a great you know iterating with a a good partner that's able going to help you you know scale the business if it takes off is really important. Um, I also think the other piece is just the focus on other competitors. I know I was very bad about that in the beginning of like really paying close attention to, Oh man, this other big pet food brand just announced that they're going to be launching a plant baseline is, you know, should we be worried what's in their ingredient list, all these things there. And while it's important to know what's out there, I think it's, it's, it, it can feel existential that, you know, there's other people out there who have similar ideas. And if you're in any industry that's going to take off or is growing, you're going to see more and more people enter it. Totally. Um, and you you need like the, it's it's you know don't overly fret on that and I think I've gotten better at not panicking every time you see a new entrant in the space or something right. different that's going on and just focusing on executing your own vision and 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 you know taking in information but but figuring out how you can be the best that you can be.
1: Totally, it's so hard. You got to be customer obsessed, not competitor obsessed. Um, and yeah. that's not easy. Um, man, so cool. Excited for you where you're going. Um, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, learn more about the product, etc.
0: Yeah, uh, we're at feedpedaluma.com. A uh, bunch of information about the food, our food and treat products, and uh, also our Instagram at feedpetaluma. That's a uh, Caroline's purview, but it's a uh, it's a funner place to uh, <laughs> a visit than necessarily a website. So. All
1: right, before <laughs> you go, I you know I was gonna close it out, but I, I I have to ask like, where'd the name of the company come from?
0: Oh yeah, I uh, really was negligent and not in not mentioning at the beginning. No, uh, I thought Petaluma of it. I was gonna make sure a, to ask you. <laughs> yeah, now Petaluma is a uh, a. City a little bit north of San Francisco, um, kind of has deep agricultural roots. Uh, we, uh, we were actually visiting Petaluma. It's kind of a, it's a, a nice place to stay, to an Airbnb farm stay, staying on a, a hobby farm uh, with our dog at the time. That They had a bunch of chickens, cows, goats, and our dog really was uh, fully integrated with that, that community. Uh, and that was part of our own dietary kind of change where we you know, started kind of blurring the line between dogs and and quote, unquote, farm animals. And, uh, and it was one of the the seeds for the, idea of the company of how do we, how do we provide our dog with food that doesn't necessarily result in a, in, you know, kind of factory farmed animal agriculture.
1: Got it. Wow. Very, very cool. Um, and yeah, it's, it's always good to hear Like how people come up with ideas for the name of the company and whatnot. Um, so <laughs> great having you with us, Garrett. So, uh, you're still early days. I mean, you're, you're off and running, but um, a lot of growth in front of you. You got to come back on down the road, share more with us um, as you continue to grow. Really appreciate you being here with us today. Yeah. Thanks so much
0: for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: The Contender Cast is sponsored
0: by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands.